Peace, peace. We are back once again with Masterminds with Brother Shemel. Another episode. I'm your host, Brother Shemel. And in reference to today, uh, we're going to go a little deep, actually go a little personal. And uh, before I go into that, uh, I just basically want to say, as always, I always want to give thanks in, uh, to the support. Thanks everybody who are supporting me, who have supported me, uh, and continue to support me. Um, I absolutely, just want to do that. Get that out of the way. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in my past. Uh, in my past, I think I did. But again, just to reiterate, uh, coming up, I will have the interview with Dr. Jose Pimenta Bay. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, the live stream will be on May 20th. Um, of course, that will be on YouTube. You'll get to be able to see that. Uh, I'll also have the audio version on this podcast as well. So just getting right down to it because, you know, I've, uh, as I mentioned in my last podcast, uh, I went through quite a bit um, in reference to these past couple of weeks. And so the topic today is shadow of death so before I get into uh, my personal story because this this may be perceived or come off as a personal rant and I definitely want to actually uh, apologize ahead of time if it does but I because so much is going on I'm really going to open up and get deep and personal but to make sure that we get the most um, my listening audience gets the most out of it I'm of course going to first start off with always based on uh, the literature um, to give context so the term shadow of death now in the term shadow of death it is used or most people refer to it uh, most popularly from the 23rd Psalm in the Bible, which is uh, arguably the most popular psalm in the book of Psalms. And you could either say one of the most um, known chapters in the Bible. Uh, it's basically used as a prayer where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to go there and it's a short chapter, but I will not read all six verses of that chapter. I'm specifically going to deal with the fourth verse, which uh, is based, which is the basis of this episode. So it says, 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. So the interesting thing about shadow of death is that the term shadow of death is actually used multiple times in the Bible. It's used um, several times in the book of Job. It's used, um, you actually see it a couple of times in the book of Psalms. But I want to actually go to the book of Job to actually read the section, one of the parts, one of the sections where you find it in the book of Job to add more context to what I'm about to get into. So I'm going to read from chapter 10 in the book of Job starting from verse 19 to 22. And it says, I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease then and let me alone that I may take comfort a little. Before I go whence, I shall not return even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death, a land of darkness as darkness itself and of the shadow of death without any order and where the light is as darkness. Now, that may take Um, some moment for it to settle in people's minds exactly what does that even mean because um, those of us who study metaphysics as well as um, those of us because I'll be getting a lot into more science uh, those of us who get into the topic who study the topic of more science know that there are different types of death right so keeping that in mind and we're getting into the shadow first before I get into the death let me get into the shadow the shadow is uh, based in the word shade, right? When you cast light, light on something, like on a, when sun shines on a tree, you get shade. That shade is the shadow, right? So that shadow becomes a silhouette of a thing that gives the image of it, the silhouette of it but it's not the actual thing. Okay? So, in the questionnaire, it is asked, uh, did Allah create the devil? And the answer is no. He is a shadow of our lower self and will pass away. So it's understood that a shadow is not permanent. A shadow does not last. So, of course, dealing with death, uh, as always, I'm going to go to one of the um, most noted chapters pertaining to death in the Circle 7, which is Chapter 4. And for those who've been keeping in touch with my episodes, um, and even those who have not, I ask that you refer back to one of my earlier episodes that you can find uh, on the podcast as well as on YouTube 
which I believe the title of it is Nipsey Hustle and the Metaphysics of Death. So if you listen to that and combine that with what you hear here, it will give you uh, a lot of in-depth information. Some of the stuff, of course, I will be repeating, but uh, it'll make more sense as it go as you go along. So I'm going to read from the chapter and I'm going to start, I guess I'll start from one. It says, death and burial of Elizabeth, Matheno's lessons, the ministry of death. Verse one, when John was 12 years old, his mother died and neighbors laid her body in a tomb among her kindred in the Hebron burying ground and near Zachariah's tomb. And John was deeply grieved. He wept. Matheno said, it is not well to weep because of death. Death is no enemy of man. It is a friend who, when the work of life is done, just cuts the cord that binds the human boat to earth that it may sail on to smoother seas. No language can describe a mother's worth and yours was tried and true. But she was not called hence until her tasks were done. The calls of death are always for the best, for we are solving problems there as well as here, and one is sure to find himself where he can solve his problems best. It is selfishness that make us that makes one wish to call again earth departed souls. I'm going to stop there. Now, I'm going to get into an ADAPT lesson. And this ADAPT lesson is very important because it gives further context into the subject matter. And many um, of those who study more science who read these ADAPT lessons, you're going to know exactly where I'm getting this from. And I've been doing that as of late. And I know there are people who feel like you know, you shouldn't because, you know, these are add-up lessons, etc. And they don't want this revealed. But the information in these lessons is too important to play those games, in my opinion, uh, which is why I draw from them so that we can get better, um, fuller comprehension of this subject matter because it's needed at this time. So I'm going to read portions of it. Okay. And Okay. So it says the senior course of study now was opened up and Jesus entered and became a pupil of the Hierophant. He learned the secrets of the mystic law of Egypt land, the mysteries of the life and death and of the world beyond the circle of the sun. When he had finished all the studies of the senior course, he went into the chamber of the dead that he might learn the ancient methods of preserving from decay the bodies of the dead. And here he wrought. And carriers brought the body of a widow's son to be embalmed. The weeping mother followed close. Her grief was great. And Jesus said, good woman, dry your tears. 
you follow but an empty house. Your son is in it not. You weep because your son is dead. Death is not a cruel word. Your son can never die. He had a task assigned to do in garb of flesh. He came, he did his work, and then he laid the flesh aside. He did not need it more. Beyond the human sight, he has another work to do, and he will do it well, and then pass to other tasks. And by and by, he will attain the crown of perfect life. And what your son has done, and what he yet must do, we all must do. Now, if you harbor grief and give your sorrows vent, they will grow greater every day. They will absorb your very life until, at last, you will be naught but grief, wet down with bitter tears. Instead of helping him, you grieve your son by your deep grief. He seeks your solace now as he has ever done, is glad when you are glad, is saddened when you grieve. Go bury, your, go bury deep your woes and smile at grief. Lose yourself in helping others dry their tears. With duty done come happiness and joy and gladness cheers the hearts of those who have passed on. The weeping woman turned and went her way to find happiness and helpfulness to bury deep her sorrows in a ministry of joy. Then others came and brought the body of a mother to the chamber of the dead. And just one mourner followed, she, a girl of tender years. And as the cottage near the door, the child observed a wounded bird in sore distress. A cruel hunter's dart had pierced his breast. And she left following the dead and went to help the living bird. With tenderness and love, she folded to her breast the wounded bird, then hurried to her place. And Jesus said to her, Why did you leave your dead to save a wounded bird? The maiden said, This lifeless body needs no help from me. My mother taught me this. My mother taught that grief and selfish love and hopes and fears are but reflexes from the lowest self that what we sense is but small waves upon the rolling billows of life these all will pass away they are unreal tears flow from hearts of flesh the spirit never weeps and I am longing for the day when I can walk in the light where tears are wiped away. My mother taught that all emotions are sprays that rise from human love and hope and fears. That perfect bliss cannot be ours till we have conquered these. And in the presence of that child, did Jesus bow his head in reverence. He said, for days and months and years, I have sought to learn this highest truth that man can learn on earth and hear a child fresh brought to earth has told it 
all in one short breath. No wonder David said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. And then he laid his hand upon the maiden's head and said, I am sure the blessings of my father Allah will rest upon you, child, forever. So, that is part of the lesson that I wanted to read. To give context, when in the story that's given, when the child says that what we sense is but small waves upon the rolling billows of life. These all will pass away. They are unreal. The emotions, the human emotions are the shadow. Did Allah create the devil? No, he's the shadow of our lower selves and will pass away. So the emotions are sprays of the lower self. Right? They're reflexes. The grief and selfish love and hopes and fears are but reflexes from the lower self. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So, yes, though we travel in this life where we reach the lowest depths to reach the highest heights the lowest depths are our emotions the griefs the fears the hopes the sadness the anger right though we reach this these are shadows and we near not fear evil because at all times we are with the omnipotent the divine which, which is within us the higher self, right? So that is something that uh, we have to come to a realization of, uh, which we, which is truly only done um, by way of meditation and spiritual practice. So coming to that realization uh, I'm going to get into my personal um, story it's a funeral story so give context before I do that I'm going to go into chapter one of the circle seven okay and I'm going to go just read a portion of it, the last portion. And it says that man is the Lord of all the plane of manifest, of protoplasm, of mineral, of plant, of beast. But he gave up his birthrights just to gratify his lowest self. But man will regain his lost estate, his heritage. But he must do it in a conflict that cannot be told in words. Yea, he must suffer trials and temptations manifold but let him know that cherubim and seraphim that rule the stations of the sun and spirit of the mighty Allah 
who rule the solar stars are his protectors and his guide, and they will lead to victory. Man will be fully saved, redeemed, perfected by the things he suffers on the plane of flesh and on the plane of soul. When man has conquered carnal things, his garb of flesh will then have served its purpose well and it will fall, will be no more. Then he will stand untrammeled on the plane of soul where he must full complete his victories. Unnumbered foes will stand before him, before man on the plane of soul. These he must overcome, yea, overcome them every one. Thus hope will ever be his beacon light. There is no failure for the human soul, for Allah is leading on and victory is sure. Man cannot die. The spirit man is one with Allah. And while Allah lives, man cannot die. While when man has conquered every foe upon the plane of soul, the seed will have full opened out, will have unfolded in the holy breath. The garb of soul will then have served its purpose well, and man will need it nevermore, and it will pass and be no more. And man will then attain unto the blessedness of perfectness and at one with Allah. Okay? So, to, set, to give the context. So, in April 27, 2013, I joined the Morris Science Temple of America. Um, in the temple of that's located in Durham, North Carolina. I received my nationality card with my L on it. So that's always been a special date for me. So this year we've made eight years of me being a faithful member of the Moral Science Temple of America. So on April 27th of this year, which was my eighth anniversary here, which also, uh, I believe, ironically, uh, was the day that I had a uh, particular meeting I had to attend, a temple meeting. I get the news that my nephew's three-month-year-old was murdered in Virginia three month year old daughter of of my nephew was murdered in a drive by not only was she murdered but the mother of the child was also murdered she was 30 years old she would have been 31 this month in May the end of this month so I get that message okay very important two days later I get another message that my uncle here in North Carolina died in the hospital after he was resuscitated three times 
And then, then they tell you death comes in threes. 30-year-old, three-month-year-old, my uncle, born in 1933, resuscitated three times and died. Right? 27, April 27th, April 29th. I just attended my uncle's funeral um, yesterday. I attended the funeral in the wake. I could not attend both funerals. Both funerals took place on the same day, two different locations. Now, this is what I've been dealing with. So, evidently, death is heavy on my mind, right? But um, there was a interesting... Uh, series of events that took place specifically yesterday that had me um, inspired me to actually go into um, this um, subject matter and it was something that took place and I'll get uh, deep into it in the other half of this episode but it was something that was um, it hit me so hard or I should say it has it, it affected me. It really got to me. And I usually try not to get certain things to really ruffle my feathers like that. <laughs> but it it really hit me in such a way where it was kind of like, you know what? I need to talk about this. And I mentioned before that there are different types of death. There is the physical death, but the physical death is really the least of the deaths. You also have uh, mental death. You have uh, spiritual death, so to speak. Um, then there, you know, aspects within the, um, society. You have political death, civil death, right? If um, those of you who know uh, when I teach on civics and law about the term civil mortus, meaning dead in the eyes of the law. And that goes back to the Morse questionnaire where the question is asked, what is meant by the word black? And the answer given is black, according to science, means death. And, you know, as I've said, many people don't understand that. So they take it in a certain context and they get offended, not knowing that the term science in there according to science is referring to jurisprudence which is the science of positive law so that term black is connected with civil and mortuus which is of course um, you know that's dealing with that science that demonstration but um, not to get into that too much because you know this is more um, dealing on a uh, spiritual esoteric uh, metaphysical nature um, these episodes I try to focus on that but knowing that there are different types of deaths for there to know that there are different types of deaths there are different types of lives you have to know what is it that caused the deaths what is the root of it you know 
what is it that uh, creates the situation in terms of death? And again, like I said, I'm going to actually get into uh, what I'm specifically talking about in terms of this specific type of death. And this specific type of death is not a physical death. In terms, when I speak of the valley, or I should say the shadow of death, right? It actually deals with a death that many of our people are going through. Many people are going through um, more than needs to be, particularly in this day and time, this time of knowing this Aquarian age, as people like to say, you know, it, it really was an eye opener. What took place. It was an eye opener because I, I knew it to be so, but I was so removed from it. I was so removed from it. You learn a lot in a funeral. I'll just tell you that. And, uh, you know, you always are reminded of certain things, but I'll get more into that in our next half. So on Saturday, May 8th, uh, I go to the funeral of my uncle. Uh, Keep in mind, as I mentioned, uh, this two funerals going on. I mean, technically three funerals because there was three. It it was one funeral service in Virginia, but it was for two people. Okay. A mother and her child. And that child happened to be um, also the daughter of my nephew. So I go to my uncle's funeral and it's in a small town. Um, This will be important. I'll just say it. Um, Small town. uh, I'll just say Green County. Small town in Green County, North Carolina. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I have family there. Love my family. Of course, I think I've I've expressed this before. But um, when you're on this spiritual path, it's a lonely path. So many people who you come up with, many of your um, close friends, family, classmates, etc., they don't understand this path. So um, I learned early on that um, I would not be able to share this information with them in a way where it would be received. Um, There were definitely... Many, most of them are deeply ingrained in the old Christian um, paradigm concept, which is very important and is paramount to this conversation. So, um, so needless to say, in functions like these, I I choose to be low key. Meaning I choose not to um, wear my consciousness, so to speak, on my sleeve um, to be as pronounced in this. Not that I'm afraid, but just because I already know 
the reaction. I've already gone through it with them <laughs> early. And so I, I, I'm at a point where I'm good where I'm at. And um, you can either respect it or not, but I'm not going to, I don't give the, um, the opportunity for them to even, to even start any sort of conversation as it pertains to how I view spirituality. I don't even do it. Um, even though they know. So it's, it's a strange situation, but it is what it is. So, you know, I go with my wife, we attend the funeral and, um, I come there as a family member. I come there as a human being, come there as a, a nephew of an uncle who's, you know, who actually been, who been there for me, uh, who's been supported, who, who's a good person. He's lived a long life, 87 years. He would have been 88 this year in August. And, you know, you know, I, I love my uncle. So needless to say, I'm here. And um, his only child, his daughter, is my cousin who I love dearly. And that's family, period. You know, um, he, along with my aunt, his wife, they attended my wedding. You know, they honored me. And the wedding I had, I requested everybody wear uh, Moorish uh, slash African clothing. You know, wear some sort of garb. You know, that's the theme. I, I I insisted on that. And guess what? They did that. My uncle did that. You know, they had enough respect and honor for me to do that. So how can I not honor him in his passing? Of course, I'm going to do that. So I say that to say I went to the funeral. I go to the funeral, of course. It's at a funeral uh, home. Um quite a few people um, came. Some people came from um, out of state. And, you know, it's it's the expected funeral of a Christian. Right? You know, you have the eulogy, you have the song, you have the prayers, you know, you know, it's a good man, you know he's up there, etc., etc. That wasn't the thing that got me. <laughs> the thing that got me was this particular individual who proceeded to give a solo uh, song at at my father at my, my uncle's um, funeral so the first warning sign is this let me tell y'all this you, you know it's something when <laughs> somebody turns on a speaker and a blue neon light shows up. I kid you not. I can't make this up. Somebody from behind um, the speaker. I didn't see the person's face yet. They went and they turned on the speaker. And then there's this big neon disco light looking circle on the front of the speaker lighting up to let you know that it's on. And it's, and it's changing color. I can't make this up. So I'm like, yo, that's strange. That's weird. I've never seen this before. Okay, but moving on. So so the speaker, I guess, is warming up for the performer because at this time, they're still 
other people, you know, uh, family members are standing up, you know, they're giving their reflections, sharing their memories, you know, their scripture being read. But, but that just caught me like in the middle of all that, somebody turns on the speaker and this thing comes up. Right. And mind you, there was another woman who also had sung. She sung two selections, but she sung this with just the mic, you know, no special effects or anything. She sung acapella. There was nobody playing. There was no piano player, no organ player at this funeral home. So, okay, cool. It's to be expected. So then they said, we are going to get a solo from Apostle Maul Williams. Now, I chose to say this person's name so y'all can look this person up. (laughs) I usually don't drop names, but I have to drop this name. Apostle Maul Williams. So something in me say, this, this sounds familiar. Side note, my uncle's last name is Williams. I knew that Maul Williams was not related to anyone in the Williams family that, that you know, that my uncle is a part of. You know, my uncle, he's my uncle through marriage. But I know the Williams family. There's so many families in this small town, and you pretty much know them all, right? Those who know small country towns in North Carolina or any other part of the South, you know what I'm talking about. So it's Maul Williams. I don't know Maul Williams. I ain't never heard about him. But I heard of him. I heard of him, and I'm trying to figure out who is this guy. So from behind the speaker, this person comes up. I told you this was going to sound like a rant. This person comes up, you know, is this aura about him, real, real Hollywood, almost like, you know, without being Hollywood, because you, you could tell he ain't Hollywood. He, he had this thing about him, like, like, oh, just the way he just moved. You could tell certain things about people. He moved a certain way. And, you know, kind of like he's a player. <laughs> he's an older guy you know what I'm saying and uh, he proceeds to get on the mic and he play. and what happens is getting back to the speaker so all of a sudden you know I guess he set it up for the music to play and so from that neon circle speaker you're hearing uh, a piano sound like so music it's the sound of a piano so at first, I was like, you know, that's kind of strange that he he wants the piano. All right, that's cool. Now, let me backtrack and give some context. Um, in 2014, my father passed away, right? And I always say this, certain, there's certain um, things in your life that transform you. A death can tra- a certain death, not all death, but a certain death can transform your life. My father's funeral, my father, not my father's passing, transformed me, and and it's hard to kind of explain it, but it definitely was a spiritual transformation. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. You know, and it's not. It's more than the fact that I look like him, but it, it's a lot to it. 
I have probably have to get into another specific um, episode on that. That's real personal. But in that funeral, that funeral, uh, I sung a song for my father. I wanted to. I've never, you know, I think I sung to him one time. Like, I didn't sing to my father. Because one, my father was... He, you know, he was a born again Christian. He was a deacon in church, you know, and I'm not a Christian. I didn't sing a Christian song. I sung a Stevie Wonder song. Um, and there was, this was a bigger church. This wasn't a funeral home. This was at a church. And there was, I believe, a piano player or a keyboard player, whatever. And they, they started to play, you know, to my singing. You know, I didn't ask them to. They just did it. You know, it is what it is. So I have no problem with, you know, the the act of of someone playing keyboards at a funeral. I not at all. So, but this kind of this was kind of strange to me. It just it just seemed something in me just say, yo, this this is weird. So I said, okay, maybe they're playing this this track of this piano playing the song that he's singing because there's no piano player in this in this funeral home so he needs at least a piano player okay cool so he sings the intro of the song and you know he's moving and he's he's you get in the you get in the sense that he's putting on a performance you know the way he's just trying to build up the song you know like it's like a performance all of a sudden the piano it's no longer a piano. It drops the drums, the bass line, and the guitar. And then he starts moving a little more. And he's really building up his song. He's wailing. You know, the brother can sing. You could tell he, he's been singing. You, you could tell this was a guy. He sings, right? But it's still like, all right. You know, you know people in the church. You know, they're good singers or whatever. You know, they sing a lot in the church. But this guy here is different. He proceeds to sing this song. And, and then I'm noticing certain things around me. I'm just observing. Mind you, we ha- you know, they're telling us we have to have the mask on. So it's just my eyes is moving around. I'm looking. I'm in the second row. There's a front row. And I'm just going to say this. There was a front row of groupies <laughs> for this guy. Literally old women. <laughs> in their 60s and 70s old women just hey apostle hey apostle yeah you know waving their hands and hollering and you know and then he was like kind of playing to them like he's Teddy Pendergrass and like yeah sister you know what I'm talking about can I get a witness and we doing all he doing, I was like yo meanwhile keep in mind on the other I, on the other, um, cause you know, there's two rows of seats, you know, those, those benches where people sit in this particular, um, funeral home. So there's one side, one side is all family, all family, even though I'm family, I'm not blood related family. And, uh, I ended up sitting on the opposite side. So I'm right behind the women 
who are not blood related. I guess they were part of the funeral service or part of the church that my uncle was part of. So he's catering to this side, specifically that row of women, right? There's like four women up front, four old women up front. He's not singing. I realize he's just putting on a performance. He's not singing to honor my uncle. He even goes on to say, uh, someone's like, I guess when he's trying to do the breakdown, like, yeah, I could have been out in these streets if the Lord didn't save me. Yeah, I don't know where I've been if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah, can I get a witness? I was like, this has nothing to do with my uncle. It has nothing to do with death. It has nothing to do with going to heaven. It has nothing to do. Now he wants to make it his personal testimony. Now I'm kind of heated. Then I'm I'm seeing the pastors in the back and the deacons in the back. One one old man. This was this was hilarious to me when this old man. I know he's in his eighties. He all of a sudden he stood up and he started hollering and waving his arm like you know like he. This is like a you know like he became a hype man. It was it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And then in the middle of it, he's trying to get the the crowd rolling like like we're mourning we're here to mourn or celebrate whatever you have but this is about my uncle he tried to he said y'all kind of y'all kind of dead up in here can i get a witness like he's trying to get the crowd hype and so by default in this performance everybody starts oh yeah 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 and i'm looking around and I'm like, I'm disgusted. I'm like, yo, this is so fake. And what it did in that moment, it reminded me of one of the fundamental reasons why I left the church. At that moment, as it says in chapter uh, four of the Circle Seven, which I just read, uh, about the clear conception of what you have to do the clear conception right a crisis in your life has come and you must have a clear conception of the work that you are called to do right I had a clear conception it was a clear uh, remembrance it was a clear reminder of why I left the church because of the phoniness the performance aspect of it Um, I grew up um, both of my parents were Christians. They always were Christians, right? Um, but in my mother was for the most part of her life um, Baptist. There was a time when she attended a Lutheran church, which I never attended. But for the most part, she was a Baptist. My father. Um, at some point in time, he started off as a Baptist. He was raised a Baptist, but at some point in time in his adult life, he um, he joined what was known as the Apostolic Church, which is very similar to uh, Pentecostal. Okay, they're very similar, you know, what they call the Holy Rollers. You know, they do the Holy Ghost jumping up and down, cat, you know, catching the Holy Ghost, uh, speaking in tongues and all that stuff. And in both denominations of Christianity I observe a lot of performance a lot of lack of sincerity 
no teaching. Interestingly enough, sidebar, I'll give credit where credit is due. Fortunately, after this debacle, this spectacle, the pastor, uh, I'd actually give him some credit. I actually um, enjoyed um, much of what his eulogy, because refreshingly and surprisingly enough, he actually did some teaching, um, which is very rare you find in the average sermon. He actually did some teaching. He, he, he went in depth about gold and, you know, meaning of uh, my uncle's name and stuff like that. Like, I actually respected that. But most times in my experience in seeing these sermons, I saw performances. I even saw, I can remember as a child seeing, uh, I think his name is Desmond um, Williams, whoever played Lamont in, whoever played Lamont in Sanford and Son, the Son in Sanford and Son. I've seen him perform. (laughs) Yeah, he performed. Uh, Give a sermon at my mother's church when we were growing up because at that time he had already became a pastor and they invited him to the church up in New York. So I've been, I've, I've, I've seen all types of stuff. I've seen, you know, people say they were, you know, they were pastors, people, my family members. And then you see them when they're not on the pulpit behind the pulpit and it have a totally different lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? Now, I know we have a higher self and lower self, but that's not what they speak about. That's not, they don't teach that in Christianity, right? And this goes back to in the circle seven, where it speaks about in um, chapter 48, verse seven. Therefore, we are returning the church and Christianity back to the European nations as it was prepared by their forefathers for their earthly salvation, while we, the Moorish Americans, are returning to Islam which was founded by our forefathers for our earthly and divine salvation. So I knew early on, I knew early on, like I said, I took my Shahada as a Muslim. When I was 15 years old, I was studying when I was 14. Okay. I knew early on, I was not going to be in this church. It didn't answer my questions. None of this It's performance all for show. Uh, And then Going back to this guy, quote unquote, apostle, <laughs> Maul Williams. And some said, let me go Google him and come to find out he actually is a gospel singer. He is Green County's finest, you know, wannabe Fred Hammond, John P. Key, Marvin Sapp rolled up in one for those who know gospel singers. And he goes around. So he actually was looking at this as an opportunity to put on a show. I guess the pandemic is really hurting him. And I'm just going to say it like that. As he was putting on a show. This was sad. Um, I told you it was going to be a rant. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we, we dealing with this. And um, he got an album out and everything. I'm like, what's this about? You know, what is this? Faith Evans at DMX. Um, um, <laughs> at DMX's funeral. You know, 
it's just retarded, man. It's just it's retarded. But anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is that there was just an understanding or a reminder, a clear reminder, because again, I'm removed from it. Um, one of the things that my mother said to me recently, and I don't bring up religion, I don't, but I don't know what happened, what, what caused her to say this, but I forget, but at some point in time in the, in the um, conversation, and I may have mentioned this before, she said, I always thought you were going to be a preacher. She said that. She said, I always thought you were going to be a preacher. And my, and, and my sister and my sister also, she said, and your sister said that too. Like, you know, thought you was going to be the, the preacher in the family. And you, and she said, you know, with a little disappointment in her voice and you ended up becoming, you ended up becoming a Muslim. And like I said, I never had a desire to be a preacher. I had a slight interest in the aspect of a preacher because my uncle was, is, he still is on my mother's side, uh, is a pastor, a preacher. At that time, he was an up and coming uh, minister. Uh, he didn't have a, his own church yet, but even he was like that, like, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to be a preacher. I can see that in you. So I don't know what it was about me, just the way I expressed myself, articulated, or, you know, I've always been a spiritual person. But again, I saw stuff early on to make me say, I don't want to be the person putting on the front. I want to teach. I'd rather teach. That's why, you know, I don't get big on titles. You know, I have a, I have a title within the temple, assistant grand sheet, you know, Sunday school teacher other titles but I don't I don't even use that outside of where it needs to be used there are those who like to you'll never you'll never find me you know um, having my name on social media as Sheik Shemel I'm Brother Shemel right because brother is more important people can you can take away the Sheik title from a person it can be given and it can be taken well are you still a brother are you still a sister you know what I'm saying are you still that um sincere soul uh interestingly enough after the uh, oh side note and the reason why I said the um, front row was groupies <laughs> these old ladies with groupies. I, I don't want to be cruel and mean because I don't have no, you know, I have no ill will towards them, but I, I just got called the way I see it. So I, I apologize for this mini rant, but, I, but I'm putting it in context. The reason why I said that is because I specifically remember after the funeral, when we went to the, to the graveyard for the burying, for the watch the casket drop. I'm looking at while this is going, while they're going through the whole procedure, I hear a little chatter on the side. So I turn over to my left. And who is it? It's Apostle Maul Williams with his girls around him and being chatty and laughing and giggling. I saw it. I ain't going front. That's what it was. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, this, this is ridiculous. 
it it was it was surreal. This was a surreal um, chain of events that I saw. Like, it, it, but again, it was the reminder about this. And when I'm going into that and I went to, into death, I want to make clear I'm speaking about a mental death. The mental death that I want to um, to speak on, right? The, sp- the mental death, right? The concept. And I want to make sure I get this clear in, in in this lesson before we end. The concept of mental death, the mental death and the spiritual death, right? Where in a funeral, they judge life based on whether someone is quote unquote saved and redeemed. I kept hearing this term, all the redeemed say amen. The redeemed from what? Right. Somehow, because a person spent time in the church, all of a sudden they, you know, that qualifies them to go to heaven. Oh, we know this brother. We know because he was, and that that was part of the sermon. Oh, he was a faithful member of the church. I know he's up there with his father somewhere, Father God somewhere. Look at membership in the church. And that same thing could be for membership in a temple, more science temple, membership in a mosque, where you make the membership to an organization, a religious house of worship, your ticket into a place that you can't confirm. Heaven is not a place, but a state of mind. Anyone who studies more science, anyone who studies metaphysics, period, esoteric teachings of the Bible, Quran, etc., knows this, right? You know, in the Quran of Mecca, it speaks about the dumb, deaf, and blind, right? And this is not physical, but this is spiritual and mental, right? So, understanding these things, um, later on, I, I just happened to, because this is Law Governs All Events, I come across a YouTube video after I leave the funeral, and in this, there's a uh, woman on YouTube who's into the esoteric occult teachings. And she speaks about um, Christians in the South, how they very are judgmental and criticizing and self-righteous. And that was what I got. And then I get a text. My brother sends me the text of the obituary and in this of the, um, of the funeral in Virginia and in there I'm reading and it says that this young woman that she gave her life to Christ early at an early age we have to stop this we have to stop um, confining salvation to an organization and get into the spirituality of what is to emancipate ourselves from this mental death and that is all for today I thank you for listening until next time Peace and love.